morning, Adventure family. Nice to see your lovely faces. Turn to the person next to you and say, wow, you look really good today. You look really good today. Awkward. (laughs) The couples who are fighting, I apologize. (laughs) It's probably good for you to do that. Welcome to those who are joining us online. We miss you. Please come back. Um, We're continuing our series this morning called The Jesus Stories. This is new insights into an old narrative. And I love this series because I get to invite some of my favorite people to come and join me. And I get to spotlight people who you might not actually realize have a lot to say about this. And so this morning, um, we have the illustrious Joe Nettleton. Can you welcome him this morning? Awkward. Awkward. You look really good today. Oh, thank you. I like that shirt. (laughs) My wife, Bob. Way to go, wife. Um, This morning, I've I've asked Joe to share with us uh, one of the stories that's impacted his life. I mean, when I first presented this to, to the different people that are up here joining me, of course, I said, what's your favorite Jesus story? And, and almost across the board, everybody's like, I can't narrow it down to just one Jesus story. Right. But this is the first one that you kind of came up with. And um, before we get into it, though, would you mind uh, just kind of maybe sharing who you are and a little bit about your story? Yeah, yeah. It, it's always an awkward conversation when somebody says, hey, tell me about yourself. And you're like, oh. What's awkward um, about that? I don't know. For me, it's awkward. Um, but, but who I am is somebody that God has, has uh, had a lot of grace and mercy for. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, it was a typical Christian home that had mistakes and failures and brokenness, just like every one of our homes probably does. Um, but about age 14, there was a significant amount of pain, and um, I decided that God was not for me, and mm-hmm. uh, basically... Uh, was told that if I didn't, if I got a job on Sundays, I wouldn't have to go to church, and I got a job right away. It was uh, <laughs> like that next Sunday. Surprise. Um, and so, anyways, uh, towards the end of about five years later, I uh, had, a, had a spot picked out, had a way I was going to do it, and the only thing missing was about the time uh, for my life to end. And uh, about a month prior to that, I, I think it was, uh, had a had a pastor that was reaching my sister, my other sister, and my other sister, and my other brother. So wow. I've got four sisters. Revival. Had, had, yeah, it was it was good. And, and so because of that, um, I was able to have a source of somebody I could go talk to that was believing for me and, and praying for me. And I uh, went and visited with him. And then, uh, long story short, about three to six months of that time going back to church, my life started to change, and I start seeing God as uh, something to do on Sunday to someone that loves me and mm. um, really was speaking into my life. So that may not be the answer of who I am, but that's, that's where I, I kind of started knowing who I was. I want to go back to what you were saying yeah. about that you had a connection. You had somebody that you felt comfortable to go yeah. to, and I think, you know, that was like, Uh, Bo and Jesse were saying that the importance of being involved, you know, church is not about just showing up on Sunday morning. It's really about being integrated into the lives of people that are for you, people that love you, people that actually know you and still accept you, which is always crazy to me that people that know me actually continue to accept me. And, (laughs) and I think, um, 
you know, when you get to a, a situation where you get to a, a critical point in your life, who do you have to go to? And I think that's one of the biggest selling points for, for really integrating and being involved in the life of the family of God, not just, you know, that you show up and then take off. So yeah. if you're not in a core group, that, that's one of the best reasons, you know, because the hard times do hit us and we, we need to have somebody that we trust that we can go to. So Absolutely, absolutely. So Joe is uh, our Sunday service director. Those of you who um, just show up late probably don't know that because Joe's scurrying around doing all kinds of things beforehand. And he has grown so much in the Lord. We have a very long history together. Yeah. We've known each other longer than many of you have been alive. And, um, yep. and uh, I'm just really honored that you're here to share this. I Thank really you. like your insights and you. your depth in the Word of God. I do want to give a little bit of a shout-out this morning, and this person does not know I'm going to do a (laughs) shout-out, so I apologize in advance. But I am um, currently in grad school. I'm getting my master's in strategic leadership, and one of my professors is here. And I would just like to acknowledge Dr. Jan Spencer, if you could stand. If he stands, you'll definitely see him. Please don't ask him what my grade was. (laughs) Um, Dr. Spencer taught me so much about, I'm going to get emotional, Um, reading the Word of God upstream and understanding the Word of God, not for how it affects me or how it impacts me, but what what is it saying about God? What is it saying about the Holy Spirit? And this morning, this particular story. I want you to hear this with the heart of God. What is the Holy Spirit wanting to reveal about who he is, who Jesus is? There's so much in this story. It is such an amazing story. Joe, you want to kind of set this up for us? Sure, sure. So those of you that have your Bible app or Bibles with you, uh, this this is going to come from the Gospel of Luke, and it's uh, verse... Uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And, and some of you might be familiar with this story, especially if you grew up in a church, you're like, okay, that's Simon Peter, blah, blah, blah. Um, will you just allow God to speak into you, maybe a refreshing uh, or, or something new from this, which mm-hmm. is what he does? So yes. that's kind of cool. Um, but as we read it, let, let's just go through it. Uh, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Lake Gennesaret, the lowest Freshwater lake on earth. I'm still in your thunder there a little bit. It's okay. And the second lake, lowest lake in the world after the Dead Sea. Um, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, Please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. 
For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Wow, there's a lot in here, right? Just a small, you know, context. (laughs) Jesus is revealing a lot about who he is. And um, so it's saying that he was preaching and great crowds pressed in and listened to him. And I love this in verse two, when it says, and he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge where the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Yeah. What, what is the symbolism of the two? Why, what, what is God revealing about his nature or his character by stating that Jesus noticed there were two boats there? Yeah. To me, it's, it's that, that Jesus has a choice. Um, you know, the, the boats might represent something a little bit more. It might represent... Um, our situation. Uh, but Jesus has a choice when he, he chooses who he calls. And, you know, that's the thing we just sang that song over and over again. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. And, and when we sing that, I am chosen, you know, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Yeah. And here, there are these two boats, and Jesus chooses, it says, It says, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus, the creator of the universe, the the creator of the heavens and the earth, he asks Simon Peter, Simon who becomes Peter, he asks him for permission. Now think about this. The king of the heavens and the earth asks to to use the boat that he created the wood to, to make to get out onto the water that he himself formed. And what does that say about the nature of God? What do you think that says about the character of Jesus? It's this amazing process of God really looking at us as his creation as well. And and each of us have this situation where we are um, being asked by by Jesus, can I join you in this situation? Can I get into your mess? Can Mm -hmm. I get into your problems? Can I get into um, your circumstances, your events? Will Mm -hmm. you let me get in this Mm -hmm. with you? Um, So that's what what it speaks to me about who Jesus is, that he he doesn't just barge right in. Yeah. He he doesn't assert himself. He doesn't just come in and say, I got this. I mean, Mm -hmm. he he does. He does. (laughs) But it, it is a point where we, we say yes to it. Mm-hmm. And, and isn't it so often that we, when we're in a mess, that's kind of when we hold him yeah. at bay. Yeah. Rather than saying, Jesus, I'm in a mess right now. Come and get into my boat. Get into Good. this mess. I need you to show me. It says, um, it says, so Jesus sat in the boat and they taught the crowds from there. And then when he had finished speaking... Now get this. So he's he's doing like a whole sermon or whatever. He's doing his his talk, his lecture, his teaching, and then he narrows it in on one person. And I know uh, sometimes people will come up to me and they'll say, "Did my husband tell you to preach that message?" And I just want to assure you that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I I do believe this morning the Holy Spirit wants to reveal something, and even in the midst of your mess in the midst of your circumstance. And, you know, there, there are a lot of messes just in life, but particularly over the last two years, you know, I think 
this has kind of messed us up, up a little bit. It's kind of yeah. shaken us up, shaken up most people. I know there are some, the introverts mostly, who loved COVID. You know, they love the isolation, but maybe there are other issues there. But, um, but it says here, it says, he sat in the boat, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out to where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. I wanted to call this message, Jesus Goes Deep, like kind of a football theme, but Joe didn't like that idea. So, <laughs> but Jesus goes deep. He's, he's asking us, to go deeper. He's asking Simon Peter, he's, he's like, I want to show you something so amazing that you wouldn't even believe it if I were to tell you in advance. Good. But he's asking him, can we go deeper? Yeah. And then he says, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now the context of this, this is in the middle of the day. And, and Jesus is a carpenter. Jesus is not a fisherman. Peter was actually a pro. Yeah. This, was his, this was his living. He was a professional. He wasn't just like a recreational fisherman. He was like legit. And Jesus is telling him, hey, this is what you should do. And so how does he respond? What is, what is yeah, Simon's so, response? So, so here we have this moment where Simon is being told to do something, as you said, by mm-hmm. somebody who uh, really, this isn't his, his job. And uh, he, he says, Master, we, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we, we see this, this disciple who is being called, and, and here he is at this point of, like, what? Mm-hmm. Really? Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. And he he does it, but mm-hmm. yeah. So, what kind of condition do you think Peter was in at that point? So, so tired, exhausted, mm-hmm. uh, worn out. Um, literally, you know, the shift is over. I've done what I needed to do. I did the best I could, and now nothing to show of it. Mm-hmm. And and so we see this disciple that is completely like whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, I've given up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. But I love what he says here. He says, we've worked hard. I mean, he's, he's kind of like, come on, Jesus. Yeah. Seriously? We've already, we've done as much as we can. We've tried. We've tried our hardest. And he says, and I love this because I feel like this is the point at which Peter kind of releases control. Yeah. Because he's seen Jesus do miracles. And so, you know, I, I think there are those of us and we're just tired we're just worn out. We've, we've been trying things over and over. We've been trying to do things our way. And, and here I love when he says, all right, if you, if you say so, if you, say so. If, if you tell me to do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of control. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, th- this is one of the calling of the disciples and it is very personal to his situation, but we can relate to this because there's events that we are, are going through right now. Maybe we're trying to, to control somebody's behavior. Maybe we're trying to prevent them from doing some of the things that we did in their same situation and, and, or, or maybe we're just praying relentlessly and, and we're not seeing the effects mm-hmm. of that, um, or maybe it's a job. Maybe God is telling you to stay where you're at, and it's tough to go, but God, I, I really hate this job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really mm-hmm. hate this situation, or whatever it happens to be. And or vice versa. Or vice versa. He might be you saying, loving it. 
My grace is lifted from this particular situation, go. either this relationship or this job or, or you know, some particular thing. And, and, and Jesus is saying, I want you to let go of control. Yeah. I want you to give up control and I'm going to blow your mind. Yeah. I am going to show you my goodness. And isn't it true, those, those of you who have walked with the Lord for any length of time, sometimes the Lord asks us to do absurd things, right? <laughs> he asks us to do things that really don't make sense. Yeah. Like moving to Utah to plant a <laughs> church. <laughs> those of you who know the story, I, it was literally the last place on earth that I wanted to go. Um, I was a brat, and... <laughs> But then once we got here, we started to see the goodness of God, and we started to see exactly why he had called us here. But at the time, I, I, I refer to it as Black Monday because I legitimately did not, I mean, I was willing to go anywhere except here, and I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong, and, and I began to see the goodness of God when we came out here, and and even now, you know, to look around and to see these beautiful faces of yeah. people whose lives have been transformed by the Lord. And I'm so honored right. and so grateful. But right. at the time, sometimes God will ask you to do things that really seem crazy. They seem really crazy. And so then what happens, Joe? All right. So then we're, we're moving on to this, uh, the nets and almost breaking and um, this large number of fish that is so much that they had to signal to their partners and asking for help. And um, this is where you might have a disciple that is, is been around Jesus. Like you said, Simon wasn't unfamiliar with who Jesus was. He mm -hmm. knew who he was. It wasn't like this passing, like, Hey, come follow me. Oh, okay. Who are you again? Mm -hmm. um, he knew who's, who Simon was and, and Simon knew him. And here you have this point where the, the nets begin to break and, and he goes from this realization that you're not just a master, you're mm -hmm. Lord. Mm -hmm. and, and the realization of, of this hits him. Mm -hmm. And so this, this might be somebody that has um, been around the church for a while. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have hung out. Maybe they have uh, you know, kind of been around, but they, they haven't really fully seen who Jesus is. And that's, that's kind of what I, I get out of this spot where he mm -hmm. confesses Lord. I think it's really interesting here too. It says, and this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. Yeah. You know, there's this little thing that, that the Lord asks Simon to do. It was, a, it was a pretty small thing. And Simon first resisted a little bit because he was exhausted and maybe didn't want to let go of control, but he does it. And then all of a sudden, it was like exceedingly abundantly more than all he could imagine or ask. Yeah. And, I, and I really believe that um, for somebody here today, and it's probably more than one person, but you're in a season and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Hmm. And you're, you're almost ready to give up. You're almost ready to just quit. You're almost ready to quit believing. And maybe you're not feeling like we sang in that song, God is for you, but you're not feeling it because you're not seeing whatever it is that you're waiting for. Yeah. Just want to encourage you this morning, hold on, yeah. hold on, yeah. go a little deeper, 
and trust and and you're going to experience exceedingly abundantly more than all you can imagine or ask yeah. like it says in Ephesians and so it says that their boats were filled with fish and they were on the verge of sinking what does that symbolize what do you think that symbolizes there, there's a couple of things I take from that you know I mean obviously this is uh, miraculous what's happening and and just to put it into context these weren't like little skiffs uh, the, these were a 30 foot long vessel by about eight feet wide and, and maybe skiff a boat? i don't know i think so oh. i'm not a anyway it's not a little canoe how about that okay, okay. canoe i know all right um, and probably about three feet deep and they're filling it with so much fish that not only is this boat sinking potentially but another boat is sinking and and this is a blessing of god yeah. This is Jesus performing a miracle in this situation, and, and yet it's sinking the boat. Yeah. And, and sometimes we, we, it feels like we're overwhelmed with the goodness of God to the point that we're seeing this as not something good, when mm. it really is something good. Mm. God is providing a blessing, and we need, to, we need to not only, I think you'll share on that, prepare for that, but be ready for this blessing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we... We don't always see what God is doing mm-hmm. as being a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, um, we really don't like to wait. Yeah. Anybody here love to wait? You're <laughs> just like, yeah, I love it. I think it really goes against our human nature. And I think that there are times, somebody, I, I was talking with somebody this week, and we were talking about how it's hard to wait just because we're human, but especially for Americans or people in the West, I think we're so used to just having everything immediately that it's, that it's a lot harder for us to yeah. wait. But, you know, there, there's that promise in Isaiah 40 that says, if you wait on the Lord, he will renew your strength. Yeah. And it says that you'll, you'll mount up on wings as an eagle. And, and you'll run and you won't get tired and you will walk and you won't faint. And, and for some of you, you need to hear this this morning. So you can keep waiting. You can keep waiting on him because he is going to come in and demonstrate his faithfulness. Does anybody need to hear this this morning? Anybody? There's a few of you. Amen. So then verse 8, your favorite. Verse 8, the favorite, yep. So when, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, this, this profession uh, of that he's not just a teacher, he's not just somebody performing miracles, you are now my Lord. And he says, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. And, you know, it, it's this disciple who is seeing this and now realizing his inadequacies. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what does this mean that he, he says, get away from him? Why? You know, what, what's happening with this? Mm-hmm. Because Jesus is not only saying, it's not your inadequacies that I'm depending on, it's, it's I'm going to depend on myself. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to put your faith in me, including all that you have, and you're worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, we, we tend to, at least I do, tend to think of all the things I've done wrong. Mm-hmm. All these things that, uh, that I didn't get right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my past uh, mistakes, the, the amount of jobs I've had, or uh, what that looks like on a resume. Mm-hmm. The same can be said about my personal life. Mm-hmm. If you had a resume of all the things I've done, would they be good things or would they, oh, what's this? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we tend to focus on. And that's on, what we tend to focus unfortunately. on. Unfortunately. Yeah. 
And, and I think a lot of times that keeps us from really seeing the grace of God. It keeps yeah. us from really seeing the miracles of God is that we're so focused on on us. But I think that one, when you do come into when you come in contact with the with the God of the universe, it is easy to go, "Whoa, I'm not worthy," right. or else we fo- you know we focus on our sin, or we focus on our shortcomings or our failures, and we don't feel like we deserve it. And and that's the beautiful thing about the grace of God, is that we don't deserve it, and yet His desire is to lavish us with yeah. His goodness. And that's what I feel like he's, he's speaking this to somebody today, probably all of us, but wait expectantly. Believe that God is for you. Believe that God has something for you, even at the end of, of your waiting and maybe at the end of your, your obedience, whatever the obedience that he's calling you to. Because Peter's like, whoa. And he yeah. says it's kurios, and that is the word Lord, like Lord, he's like, please leave me. I'm, I'm too much of a sinner. I don't deserve to be around you. He was awestruck right. by the number of fish he had caught as, though the others, as were the others that were with him. And it says his partners, James, John, sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And how does Jesus reply? How does Jesus respond to that? Uh, he says, don't be afraid uh, from why, now on. Yeah. Why is that? Why do you think Jesus <laughs> needs to say, don't be afraid? I believe it's this, again, this looking at ourselves as, as having the ability or the mm. inability. Mm. And, uh, you know, here Jesus is telling him, um, this is not for you to worry about. This is for me to do and, and you mm. just to, to walk with this. To receive. To receive it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I, I think that is, that is a common thing for us, though, is that we are afraid. You know, when God asks you to do some crazy, ridiculous thing, Sometimes, whether it's, you know, giving a, a, an exorbitant amount of money to someone and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And, you know, like Pastor Ira was saying, it's better to give than to receive, you know, or God calls you to do some crazy thing. Like, you know, whatever it happens to be, whatever it is in your context. Yeah. And, and it's just so hard to believe that it might be God asking you to do that. And the Bible does say to seek counsel. It says a a wise man seeks many advisors. So just because you feel like God's telling you to do something, check, check with somebody else that you trust. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's a good time to bring in one of the verses, which is Proverbs three, five through six. Mm -hmm. And and that simply says to lean not on your own understanding. It starts out though, trust in the Lord Lord with all your heart, all your heart. Mm -hmm. But then that, that section, you know, we, we see with what we see, Mm -hmm. we hear with what we hear. And, and yet God is like, that doesn't, necessarily mean it's what is really happening. Mm-hmm. And this faith in him is almost a constant daily thing, not just mm-hmm. a, like you said earlier, the, the cliche verse, mm-hmm. you know. And so. I think it's interesting that it doesn't say trust the Lord. Mm. It says trust yeah. in Good. the Lord. That when you're in the Lord, you can trust even when it doesn't make sense. Even when you don't see anything or when it doesn't seem like you're seeing anything trust in the lord and don't lean on your own understanding because that's our tendency isn't it we want to try to figure it out because we want to be in control anybody else you kind of want to be in control 
Yeah, and, and Jesus is just like, I'm in control. And what I have for you is so much better than what you, you could do on your own with your own works. And so he says, he says, from now on, you will be fishing for people. What do you think that means? Yeah, you know, it, it's this uh, part where, where you're no longer going to be saving the fish and bringing them in for a harvest. You're going to be bringing them to the Lord and mm-hmm. um, you know, seeking the Lord for people around you is, mm-hmm. is sometimes challenging. It can mm-hmm. be intimidating. And yet mm-hmm. this is what we're called to do is to, to simply, you know, it, the Amplified Version has this great uh, portion of this, which I, I like. It just kind of expands on it, if you will. But it says, after they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting him and following his example. And, and this fishing of, of people is, is just that. He went after people. Mm-hmm. He pursued them. He, he pursued their issues and concerns, and what concerned them concerned Jesus. Mm-hmm. It says that, you know, in, a, in the earlier Luke 4, that he laid hands on each and every person, yeah. and, and they were healed, or mm-hmm. they were set free, or they were delivered. We serve a very personal God that isn't just lumping a bunch of us in a net and bringing us in, but one at a time. He knows our situations, mm-hmm. and, and we are to pursue those now. Mm-hmm. And what is God doing in your life? Well, it might be awkward, but let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Let me share. Let me. Yeah, and then, and then the next verse when it says, and as soon as they landed, now remember these boats were sinking, okay? Yeah. So the old was, was kind of going away. These boats were sinking, but it says as soon as they landed, they left everything right. and they followed Jesus. So they let go of control. They believed I mean, ultimately, they were seeing this miraculous thing that God was doing, even though they were exhausted, even though they had been trying with their own works. And, right. and I think the call is the same for us, too. Absolutely. Is, you know, um, I had a really good conversation with somebody between services, and they were saying, you know, you know, like, oh, I wish I could just die and then just go right to heaven. <laughs> but the whole reason that we're still here is to fish for people, to fish for souls. Good. And I want you guys to hold me accountable. I had a situation this last week. I was at this Indian restaurant, and I do believe that is the food of heaven. <laughs> so <laughs> I was eating Indian food, and um, I kind of noticed the waiter was kind of hovering a little bit and kind of seemed to be you know, hanging around. And, um, and at the end, when he came to bring the the bill, he said, I really like your cross. And I was like, well, thank you so much. And, and he goes, but it's, it's, not, it's not just the, the cross. It's, and I could see he was perplexed. He was like looking at me like he sensed something that was not of me. He was like the Holy Spirit. And I should have capitalized on it, and I didn't. So if you're one of those people and you're like, I don't know how to bring in Jesus. But as I left, I I was driving down the road, and the Holy Spirit said, I am drawing him, and I want you to go back to him, and I want you to tell him what it is that he sees in you. So I want to ask you guys to be praying for me, because I really want to go back, and I want to eat there again. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I also want to see this young man come to Jesus because I really believe that the Holy Spirit spoke that to me, that I'm drawing him and I want to use you to get to participate in what an awesome thing that we get to. That, you know, some people are so intimidated by the term evangelism, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a little embarrassing sometimes to, you're kind of laying your heart on the line for people and sharing Jesus with them, but man. You know, and and something that's interesting about that too, as you're reading through the, the, as as I was reading through the Gospels and trying to get this backstory of this, John has this great story of breaking that down, Mm -hmm. this evangelism. And you actually see that Andrew, John tells it as Andrew first leads Simon, his brother, Mm -hmm. to Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was like this, this kind of first thing. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but it was like a. Uh, it just made it simpler for me because mm-hmm. I struggle with evangelism. It's mm-hmm. not something mm-hmm. that I'm like, hey, would you like to know about Jesus? By um, the way, if you don't know what evangelism oh, means, yeah. evangelism just simply means to bring good news. Yeah, that's what it is. That's yeah. all it is. It's nothing more complicated than that. And what better news is there than you can be forgiven of your sins and you can dwell for all eternity with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that you can have this amazing family that, that commits to you and, and that you can become a part of the body of Christ. What better news is there? Right. I can't think of any. Right. So that, that, and that's what he does. Mm -hmm. He he simply says, Hey, come meet this Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's the, he's the savior. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Very cool. That's what it is. That's what it is. And that's what we're called to do. Yes. We're called to be fishers of men, fishers of humans, souls. You know, I mean, if, if, if you've never shared Jesus with anyone, if you've never shared the good news, I mean, I, I used to do a lot of drugs, and I can tell you it is, it is a way better high to share Jesus with people, right? Am I right? You guys know it to share Jesus with someone and to see someone come to Christ and see their life transformed yeah. is the most amazing and powerful thing you could ever experience. Absolutely. And that's what we're called to. Absolutely. So as we wrap this up, Joe, what yes. are your final thoughts? Final thoughts would be, um, you know, we, we sometimes have hurts and pains and in this place of hurt and pain, you know, John 21 also talks of this same familiar story, mm-hmm. except it's to the ones that had left Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's the one that hung out with him, and three years later are the ones that had left him. Mm-hmm. And, and out of this, we're called to be disciples that are going to have hurts and pains. We're called mm-hmm. to walk and endure through situations. Maybe leaders in our life have failed us mm-hmm. in some way or another, either um, on purpose or accidentally. Hopefully accidentally. Hopefully accidentally. But we're called to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. not necessarily men. Mm-hmm. We don't put our hope in Jesus. We don't put hope in ourselves. Or excuse me, we don't put hope in ourselves or people. Mm-hmm. We put it in Jesus. Yeah. And um, this is who has called us. Yeah. He's called us by his behaviors, by his actions, by what he did, how he lived. And, and this is what we're called to. We're called mm-hmm. to leave our lifestyle, mm-hmm. everything we know and understand to pursue his calling for our life. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, I, I always think about the fact that, that when, when the Lord says the first and greatest commandment is to love him with all your heart, 
all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is actually a commandment. Right. And this is what he calls us to. And he would never command us to do something that wasn't possible. So I think this story represents they left everything and they followed Jesus. So I just want to ask you this morning, what's your, what's your contentment level right now mm-hmm. with your life? Do you feel like there could be more? Do you think maybe you could, could go a little deeper? Maybe, maybe see the amazing blessings that God wants to pour out on you and to see other lives transformed because of, of you sharing the good news, becoming a fisher, fisherman, fisher person. I mean, you know, this church exists to see people grow in their relationship with Jesus, grow their own life, but to impact their world and to live their dream, their God-given dream. And, and there are those of us who, there is a yearning in us for the lost and if you don't have a broken heart for people who are lost and broken, ask the Holy Spirit to break your heart for the things that break his heart. Yeah. And pray for a spirit of boldness. Pray that you could boldly bring the good news that Jesus has, that we can be born again and we can live for eternity with him in heaven. So can we stand and just respond to the Holy Spirit, whatever it is he's doing in you, because he's able to do things simultaneously. Mm. He can be uh, working in all of us at the same time. That's because he's God. Did anybody get anything out of this? Did the Lord speak anything to you? Lord, we, uh, we just come before you and we humble ourselves before your mighty hand. And we thank you that your promise is that when we do humble ourselves, Lord, you will lift us up. Yes. Lord, I know there are those this morning and they're, they're just tired. They're worn out. They've been trying really, really hard. Just everything's coming to, to nothing. And Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that they would hold on. Yes. God, that they would trust you again, that they would put their hope in you again, and that they would be willing to go a little deeper, to wait expectantly for what you want to speak and the things that you want to do and the way that you want to amaze them with your faithfulness. God, I pray for those. I pray for a, for a renewed sense of hope for those who are hopeless this morning. Father, I, I, I just thank you that you are a God who calls us. You are very gentle. You are a gentleman. Yeah. And uh, if we do tell you no, God, you're patient. Thank you're you. gracious. But Lord, right now, I, I pray for anybody in this room that wants to respond to this calling to be a mm-hmm. disciple. Maybe, maybe it's the first time that Jesus comes to you and mm-hmm. says, are you okay if I step into your mess with you? <laughs> Do you want me to step in your mess with you? And so I just ask you with with every head bowed, and if your response is, Jesus, I, I want to say yes to you. Maybe for the first time. I don't know what this looks like. This might be scary. Maybe something where I don't want you to know about my mess, but God already knows. 
and he's still in front of you saying, can I help out? So if that's you, you want to receive this call upon your life, will you raise your hand and just say yes to Jesus? Amen. 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 Anybody else? Amen. Amen. God bless you. So Jesus, as we just simply agree that you would call these men and women right now Mm -hmm. to be your children, to be your disciples, to be one that you would show amazing and awesome Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. that you would step into their situation, whatever it looks like, and you would start to do miraculous, wonderful, Mm -hmm. amazing things in them, that they would call you Lord for the Mm -hmm. first time. And Lord, I also want to pray for those who are uh, maybe a little intimidated about sharing the good news, sharing the gospel. Lord, I ask, Lord, in the same way that Paul the Apostle asked, that, Lord, that you would give us a boldness. Lord, that you would bring hungry people our way, that we would begin to share the good news, that, that you can be forgiven, that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you can live forever. Yes with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I pray, God, that you would fill us all. If that's you, can you just hold your hands out like this? You want to have a spirit of boldness. Lord, I pray for these that are responding to your your spirit right now. God, fill them with a boldness, Lord, and I pray you would send them hungry people, Lord, that they would have an opportunity to share the gospel, Lord. Make it easy for them even. Lord, let the people ask questions. And we just pray, God, you would pour out your spirit, not only in this place, but also in the workplaces, in the neighborhoods, in the families, in the circles of influence, Lord. We ask, God, that you would let revival happen, Lord, that you would raise us up, that we would begin to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us and that you love us and you have called us and you allow us to participate with you in bringing the good news. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just applaud the Lord for his goodness? We just thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Bless your name. Will the Lord bless you? The Lord keep you? The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you? The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. We'll see you next week. Uh, Hannah Velez is going to be sharing next week about the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I hope you can all join us. We miss you guys online. Love you. See you next week. Take somebody to brunch. 